On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to talk about how to scale your business so you can get out of the weeds. We're going to speak with Cassandra Swanson about how she's been able to do that at her business. This is the Bootstrapper Show for Property Management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business. Welcome to the Bootstrapper Show, where we talk about topics that are important to real estate and property management entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, and we're here at the Red Rock Casino in Las Vegas at the Property Management Mastermind Conference. And I'm super excited about the show because we're going to talk about how to scale your business so that you can get out of the weeds. We're here uh, with Cassandra Swanson of Paramount Property Management in Boise, Idaho. She's the CEO there and she has successfully gotten herself out of the weeds, (laughs) which is very hard to do in this industry. So you should be super proud of that. Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. Anaquim is the number one virtual assistant company in the property management industry. We have a proven process. We can find the best candidates and we'd love to help you. If you're interested in finding a virtual assistant, set up a discovery call on our website, anaquim.net today. Hi, Cassandra. How are you? Good. It's a good morning. Oh my gosh. Welcome to the show. So excited to have you. So tell us about yourself. So I grew up in Boise, Idaho. That's where I was born. I've traveled around a lot, but really fell in love with the area. It's similar to Colorado, so I'm sure you can really It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's great. Um, And because of that, I, you know, you have your community that kind of builds around you, and mine was awesome. And so I had found my way into property management as an accident, like everyone does. Yes, right? Like no one grew up and thought, I'm going to be a property manager when they grow up. Without needing a counselor. Most of the stuff I spent time with and my interests growing up were with children and animals and mixing them together, um, which sounds exhausting, but was really fun for me. So what happened is I had a bucket list in my life of like really cool things that I wanted to happen that were circumstantial. Um, And one of them was I wanted to be as valuable as an employee that someone would hire me like super pregnant you know like showing and that happened and so I was working at the Department of Labor and a friend that had founded a property management company reached out to me and wanted to know if I wanted to come work for her and I was like sure you you've seen me right And she brought me on anyway. We did the training third trimester, had the baby, came back to work. Oh with the baby. my gosh. So that's how it happened. So that so you have this bucket list. This of, bizarre bucket list, yeah. Oh my god. Okay, we're gonna on another show we need to talk more okay. about the bucket list, but that is such a fascinating yeah, story. Yeah, very random things, but it happened and I was not going to have that many more kids. So it's one of those opportunities that it's now or that's not happening. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. And so then you fell into property management. I did. Yeah. So I started there working on the properties and working in the marketing because that was my management and marketing was my background and education and experience at the Department of Labor. And eventually what happened is the company was actually founded for her family member that was deployed in Afghanistan. And the idea was when he came home, he'd have the family business and step in and take it over, um, which is a great plan. But when he came back, he found going from explosive ordinance division to tenant maintenance had a very big difference on the why I do what I do scale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he and they ended up selling the company and that's how I came into possession of it. Oh, wow. And he now works with, um, the FBI and the police department locally. Okay. So it worked out really well. Wow, for that did work out. Yeah. So, what year did you purchase the company? So, I 
became owner in 2010. 2010. Yeah. Okay. So when you became the owner, well, how many properties do you all manage now? So we started, It's got. we've done quite the range with the experience because we've done vacation homes and commercial and everything else. So we average in a year about 150 because we do tenant placement and we've gone as far up as 350 and as low as 70 through the years as wow. we tested things and went through 2008. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know it, right? All yeah. the things. Yeah. So with your organization, you have been able to successfully remove yourself from the day-to-day operations. Yes. So how did that, was that on your bucket list of goals to accomplish or did that kind of happen organically? So what happened is I realized that the burnout time in our industry for employees and for owners was right around four and a half years. Mm. And so if they couldn't switch it and they couldn't get everything under control and in a maintainable place to move on with their life, then they would step out of the industry. And so after watching that, the necessity became, okay, we've done the startup, we've got it founded, we've changed the ownership. And the first step in scaling ended up being um, letting go of the property owners that took more time than we made on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which so, is, so you really homed in on who the ideal client was that you wanted to work with. Yes. Yeah. And so that was probably why maybe you lost some of the properties because you were like, it was. So the coolest thing happened as we started cutting those owners, I had set it up so that we could work on less. So we had a system, we had things outsourced, everything was there so we could work on less by losing these clients that were problematic mm-hmm. or higher maintenance. Um, and what happened is we let them go and we found no difference in our income. So your profitability stayed the same even though you had fewer properties. Yeah, we cut over a hundred doors at that time. But you, I, I love this story because I don't think people do this enough, mm-hmm. is you decided, this is how I word it, and maybe you word it differently or you could tell me I'm wrong, but you decided what problems you wanted in your life. Yes. And you said no to the problems that you didn't want. Yes, it started with a life choice and also for my staff, if someone was a person they couldn't work with, you know, if someone's making them cry or causing them not to sleep or stressing then, and they're afraid of losing the account, then we can't keep going. Did you talk about this through your core values or how was it discussed with the team on how the process was going to be? Our core values were important and we were still meeting those. But what we found is just because we offered those core values, it wasn't always reciprocated. So By the could, owners. Yeah, so right. we could have integrity and honesty and kindness and really put their best interest at heart, but if they weren't doing that for us and the tenants and they wanted to try and stay profitable and shift it, then it, it wasn't a good match for us. But so, but that is truly like standing firm in your core, core values because you were saying these are our values and you either work with us and you're a match on these or you're not. And mm-hmm. if you're not, then we're okay with parting ways, you know, no hurt feelings. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'll still say, you know, hi to you at the ballpark or whatever. Um, we're still good, but I'm just not going to work like this. And then you right. made the same amount of income. So yeah, interesting. It, and what happened is without realizing it, you know, we track our time and we do our KPIs, but there are some things that we can't track. Like no one tracks the emotional recovery time, you know, just a deep breath after a phone call, reassessing if you followed all the procedures, if you're in the right place. And that takes time. It's a good thing to do, but you can't do it for between every phone call. Right. So when we got in a place where we said, no, we're not going to be the fit if you want it this way. Even we, some of them we did for years and some of them really didn't want 
to leave. <laughs> yeah, you're like, no, really. It's, and they're like, we're good, we're good. Yeah, a lot of that. But it was so worth it because everyone came to the office happier and they felt backed up. So, you know, if you have an employer that's backing you and wanting you to have a good experience, you're willing to do more for them. Absolutely. Yeah, so the time that it saved just in the recovery and the thought process made it so it was the same amount, which floored me. Um, so we ha- didn't have to do any cuts. And so then but that's a very courageous decision to make, because when you see those co- doors actually go away, mm-hmm. you can get that like you do <gasps> every time. Ah. Still to this day, if there's an owner, if you're in this industry, I have owners that have been with the company since 2005. Right. And I love them. Uh, I love knowing that we can do something that long term for them and still be a solution. But there's still times where we've done our best and it's still not the right fit. You mm-hmm. just want to make sure you're not missing it for them. I always get that clenched moment of, did we, is it right. okay? Where did it fail? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't Question your decision. Yep. But then in the end, you trust your gut and trust your core we values and, and your team. Yeah. And part of our core values too is we're doing what we think is right, but we're not robots. Part of what we do is humans. So there are mistakes and we have to accept that. Okay. So that's where a lot of people can't give up control. So mm-hmm. Back to our our discussion is how to get out of the weeds of your business. So I think when I talk to other company owners, they're they're obsessed with not making mistakes, which I totally get because it's your baby, it's your company, it's a representation of who you are as a person. And then when people fall short, it it takes an emotional toll. How did you get over that typical hump of of allow, like, here's the process and procedures. Now I'm going to let you try it. Y- you may fall short. Yeah. So we know um, in the industry, when you're good at something, you automatically project that everybody else is just as good as it because it comes easier to you. Um, I've had plenty of friends that are artists that say, oh, I can draw. So obviously anybody can draw. I can't draw. And right. they're like, no, with practice, you could. With practice, my cat is still going to look like a draft on paper. Like, it's not going to Right. So knowing that up front and going through the interview and personality to see if they're a fit company culture wise. Um, so you hire really slow. And then um, I believe that if you're going to terminate someone, they should have had every opportunity to correct an action mm-hmm. um, if they're really trying to do well at the job. Otherwise, the management is overlooking staff needs. So our training process is we try and hold off those decisions to have the employees gradually making them on their own. So they're talking to the owner and they don't have to put you on hold and say, hold on, let's see, what can we do? How do we address this? Over time, when they come and say, how do you want to handle this? We stop answering that and say, well, what would you do? So you use a Socrates method in order (laughs) to coach your people Uh up to take those to yes. make those decisions on their own. Yeah, and so based on what they say on the decisions, then I can see where it fits with our core values and what problems may come from it because we've been doing it a while. So as we... And you can see what their competency is. Like yes. if they're going to get it. And you really see the ethics. Yeah. So, you know, it's... It's you, kind of a test. It is. So you're seeing, are they going to make the choice for the tenant or the owner or the money or for what's easier on them? And so when they say what they would do and we 
explain what we typically do. After a while, the employees that are really valuable, their decisions are aligned with your company values, but you stop worrying about what they're gonna decide. Because you've trained them you've and learned them. how they think. Yeah, you didn't even have to build it into them. You already knew who they are and you trust that they understand why a company does what it does and can make those decisions. So, because you can't, as you know, right? <laughs> property management, you're like, well, that's a new one. Oh, I've been every in day. the industry for 16 years and I didn't know I'd find human fecal matter in the washing machine. It gets but here weirder we are. and weirder, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you can't anticipate Mm-mm. or train on each and every thing that's going to happen. You can no. only train on a philosophy of doing business. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have to let give up control. And then maybe you have like a dollar amount where you have to get a, you know, approval at, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. But so you've really focused on your core values, mm-hmm. on the people component of your business, yeah. on training on culture and business philosophy. Right. And then, then there's the nitty gritty of the processes and procedures. Right. So did you write those down initially when you first became the... No, that was the messy part. So when I first came into it and purchased it, I purchased it with a partner and we ran it out of our head. Um, which as like everybody does. Right. So when you run it out of your head, you're like, this is great. I know everyone. I know all the doors. I know all the dogs. I know where the light sockets are on in every house. But then you can't leave it. Like you're sleeping with your laptop under your bed and your cell phone under your pillow. And, and that's that burnout you were talking about. Yeah. Because if you really, really care about your clients, when five o'clock hits, you still think about them. Yes. And it's a burden on your family and your health yeah well it's nice to live (laughs) it is nice yeah yeah and so it really is a burden and so it became a matter of we cut the doors to be less busy and to not have the negative um influence and time you wanted light and love in your life instead of like the negativity we're there to solve problems but we don't want to solve problems and then argue over the you know uh 25 fee that caused the problems to be solved if you save someone 200 and they don't like the 25 there's a problem yeah exactly (laughs) i get you yeah and so with that it went great and then we started selecting the type of clients we wanted so for us we don't mind if it's an abc property and what it rents for and the quality of it. What we're really interested in is how the investor feels about tenants and how they're trust. So if they don't feel like they can give up control and trust, it will be a problem. And if they feel like the tenant's there to take advantage of them, it's they're not ready. So, so you screen anyone who comes in asking for service. We right do. Now. Yeah. Part of our call where we capture the information on our leads is determining how they look at it and what their emotional attachment is to a property. A hundred percent. Like I've told my parents, like you're not allowed to have rental properties. It's too emotional for you. It's going to ruin your life. It's going to ruin your marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too personal. It, it is not a financial decision. For no, you. no. And investment properties are so different than properties that you bring your firstborn from the hospital to. Well, they can. But it depends on the person. If though. they can let go and say, I yes. want someone else to have a life in this property. Right. But we're talking to the owners that if they walk back into it, they're like, well, why would they put the couch there? That doesn't look good there. That's not going to well, work. Right. <laughs> I 100% agree. Yes. So, so you proactively choose your owners, mm-hmm. you've taught everybody, and then did, how did you end up starting to write all those processes that were in your head down? So we really, really practiced it through NARPM, right? That was what all of the others that started doing. And did you use a software? Is there a specific software? We used 
so many. <laughs> what did you land on? So we ended up doing Lead Simple. Okay. Um, and part of it too is the people you work with. So my husband and my son are programmers. Oh, um, well, that's a helpful attribute. In yeah, this unless you want them doing the emotional part of tenants or owners, then don't don't send them down that road. But <laughs> but they're great with the programming part, and so I really enjoyed working with that team and the processes because I have a crew that's ready to jump on and help automate things as in you know we know how to send out a management contract but we can now push a button and send it out so it's those little time savers for so automation. while you're writing your processes and procedures you also you didn't just write down what you were doing you thought very intentionally every step about how anything could be automated mm -hmm. or done in a more efficient way yeah so you know the old trick that they used to talk in business and grammar and teaching people how to write is like think of a peanut butter jelly sandwich and how you put it together and have some someone acted out and if they acted out and the sandwich isn't a sandwich then you're missing parts in your head so we did that and then we take it to the staff that was actually doing those duties and they told us what was absolutely wrong with it and then we fix it and then as time progresses we never stop changing them they still get fine-tuned do you have a person who's in charge of that we so do you have like a point person where you're like your part of your role is managing these processes. And yeah, procedures. so we have a person that's programming them from the start. Okay. And so, and the people actively doing the role give us their list at this point. So in the beginning, it was me, right? Because I had mm -hmm. to get it out of my head mm -hmm. um, and realize that I wasn't following processes the same way each time. It was based on how I knew things. So it's, you know, yes, no, if, and making up that flow chart. And then I passed that flow chart over to a programmer to do the automation and then we go back to the person that performs it and says is this your flow wow and that's how we adjust it very intentional yeah so is, is that natural to you or was that that process natural to you did it take your energy away because i think people are so like i'm gonna hate this so much i don't even want to get started there's no way to get away from the time consuming aspect of writing out your process how long did it take you it to hours like i would say when you start your first process is going to be at least four hours for something like if you most people start with like a move out like how do we do a move out process and you think you can write it down in 15 minutes and then when you really get into the how you select the vendors and what you're looking at in the inspection and what date happens it's a four hour process the first time you do it all the others after that is like get smaller but then smaller. once you do it mm -hmm. then everything well this is how you have the life you want so yes. you knew you had to put the time in on the front end mm -hmm. you knew you had to do it the slow way it's like it's like the tortoise wins the race right yeah like, i'm gonna do this the hard way i'm gonna talk through the the automation then we'll get approval by the person who's doing it and we're gonna take this long time to write this out, but once it's done, it's gonna be good, and I'm gonna work myself out of the job. So did you always yes. keep your intention of working yourself out of the weeds in mind as you were going through that very tedious process? In a way, yeah. So I didn't, I love doing the job, but I didn't like the exhaustion from it. And so what I ended up doing is picking the things I didn't like. First. Yeah, so the things that I don't have a passion for and I don't like, I got those off my plate first and processed those first. So once those were off your plate, mm -hmm. did it kind of motivate you to keep going? Yeah, it makes it a much different environment because everyone that's founding a business starts with a service. Very few people are like, I'm good at businesses. So here's my business. Like they're good at what they're providing, but they don't know that they don't have to do all of it. And so giving up the stuff you don't like is probably the easiest way.
<laughs> and uh, the most rewarding to keep yeah. you doing the hard work that you're describing. And you can do what right you now. enjoy. And then that's how you find out what your company's good at and what is different at is it comes back to the what the owner really values and enjoys doing. And as you're writing that down, getting rid of the tasks that you don't enjoy doing, you have more energy to keep going on these processes and procedures because yeah. people will start them, they'll stop them, they won't. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's such a challenging process that you really have to keep the end in mind and see the rewards kind of slowly come in. And it, it, it's and keep slow. Going. Like it's, uh, you know, three months as you get used to the new process and a new way of doing things before you can really say, okay, that worked. The first day it's out, it, it doesn't feel like it's going to make that big a difference. You really have to write it out. So when you wrote that out, you handed everything off to the end user. Are you managing a manager now? Is there... So the goal is, because um, my theory in leadership is ultimately you want leadership to be a service role where you are training someone to do essentially what you can do and think with your core values and make those decisions so that they can continually move up. Right. right. So even in a small company, it doesn't need to be a dead end. So essentially the it goes in tears so that someone that I've trained to do a job should be able to then turn around and train someone else and keep the company culture and everyone keep rising up as it grows. So that's so. the goal. Did it work out in reality There's that bumps, way that right? you envisioned? So it sounds so happy and good and perfect. <laughs> and in reality, like it always changes because you the the bumps of it are that you can't control people like managing no. people is the hard part. And they can be a perfect fit when you hire them and their life can change or and their motivation, the business out of their competency. Yeah. Yeah, out of their competency, or they can be fantastic and a good fit and get an offer or have to move. Or, you know, we all have our stories of being betrayed by yes. someone. You know, there's a perception a lot of times that owners know when that they pay their employees first and they take care of their people first and they stay quiet if they're not cutting themselves a paycheck or if ends don't quite come together. And employees don't know that, so sometimes they perceive it as working so someone can live off everything oh, that they've done. Mm -hmm. So with those things that happen no matter what to every company, it, it's And you can't know that in an interview if they're going to perceive. Nope. I mean, you can know someone for years and not know if their internal motivation is going a different way from your company culture. Mm -hmm. So, so those things has it did it derail you? I mean, here, there, yeah, along the way. The people management part is probably the most discouraging thing in the industry because it is a hard industry. You're, you're going to have people mad and happy on both sides of it on any given in day. Any given day. Yeah, and you'll never know which one it's going to be, um, and so you form like this trusted family in a team atmosphere and so if you discover someone's not actually a part of the team you have to protect your other employees and it's not fair to be the employer that's like let's give them another shot we'll just keep trying right yeah well especially if you're so um values oriented yeah so i'm sure there are points where you kind of worked yourself out of a job but then mm -hmm. you had to get back in because something didn't work out yeah which so is you have that normal process okay yeah so that's what people should expect like you're not going to get yourself out of the job and then like set and forget forever no and i think as it grows and grows and grows and gets bigger and bigger the hard part for a lot of founders who are going from small to middle size is how you can have 
an owner you've never met, a tenant you've never met, and a property you never stepped foot in. And that's okay. Yes. It's <laughs> Knowing totally that that okay. didn't happen and someone else has it, that's completely okay. But it is, you do have to grow as a business owner mm-hmm. to also say, like to the point where you were talking about the employees, um, like it's almost selfish to keep control mm-hmm. because you're not growing them to their full. Uh, yeah. Well, the their full ability right well and you hire them and you're like they're smart and they have this potential and they can do this for the industry and for me and the company and then you bring them in and you go but i don't want to give that to you yet it's disheartening for them and yeah no one will stay in that environment right yeah so what does your week look like now how many meetings do you go to do you also well we'll start mm-hmm. there how many me- how much work are you doing in the business now so it really varies so the aspect that i realized that i wanted to keep for me was the marketing aspect because you enjoy it love marketing it 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 fuels you and it makes you happy yep i love it so much it's almost like a business psychology for me really love the marketing and i like the relationship management with the owners so so many times property owners they get a call because there's an emergency but nothing else so they love answering the phone when we call because they're panicked Mm -hmm. a call from us means several thousand dollars is needed right (laughs) and so my role becomes calling to check on their goals make sure everything's good in their life and to keep that relationship developed and a lot of the operations are off my plate okay so so taking all the operations off mm -hmm. do you still get involved in uh hiring and firing yes yeah. So you haven't given that to your managers yet? Nope. Um, because it's such an emotional decision, and at the end of the day, my signature is on the checks, I haven't given that part up yet. Um, but we're still in a size where our culture develops through experience mm-hmm. instead of like, this is how our corporation works, and this is mm-hmm. your manager will show you. We're still in that aspect of it. So eventually, that would so get to your a higher So is your goal to, to grow the mm-hmm. business? Yeah. Uh, substantially? Yeah. So um, I want it to be an organization that can grow on its own and support itself and have its own way of um, being a part of the community that it's founded in. Because, you know, each community yes. kind of has its own way of thinking. So I really enjoy that aspect of it. And I don't mind growing within that. So, but it's going to, our, we tend to value it organically mm-hmm. so that we know who we're bringing on is going to work. So the key things that I think separates you from the average property manager is how intentional you are at the front end. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you write all the intentions down or did you just imagine them in your head? So we could say that I did it because I'm so insightful and so brilliant, but when it really comes down to it, there's so many education courses I took that were, you know, in getting a master's program, I had it. And so when they needed sample, items done I was used my company so I was able to use that to find those outlines and really force myself to do it but you do have that discipline of like okay so in order to get to this level Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to do these things that I may not like that may not fuel me or give me joy but absolutely my end goal is more important than my immediate joy yes yeah so you're very good at delayed gratification we are delayed gratification <laughs> is the only way we don't do instant at all 
<laughs> I so, love it. I love yeah, it. We, and that's such a good story to tell because also when you're intentional, you kind of have to go quiet and still for a minute, separate yourself from the chaos that's around mm-hmm. you and say, what's a true priority right now for me to meet my goals? And that's a hard thing for a small well, business to do. And they shift. And the painful part of it is as a business owner or even a manager, you're constantly looking inward and saying, is the way we're doing it the way we should be doing it? And reevaluating it. And that's so that re- reflective easy. process yep. is part of your process. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh. Well, I just got so much out of this. I love chatting with you, Cassandra. Oh, it's so fun. And um, I really think you have some insightful things that can support other people in their uh, their growth as business owners. So thank you so oh, much for I'm being so on the show. Thank you. So that's a wrap. We'll see you in two weeks on the Bootstrapper Show. This is the Bootstrapper Show for property management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business.